Hey everybody, welcome back to the I think the third allotment of our of our mini series with John and I. Is that correct, John? I think so. Yeah, you're not getting sick of me yet. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully the guests aren't. <laughs> the listeners. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today we're speaking about what? Today we're going to talk about sales leadership, sales management. You know, what are they responsible for? How do you get started? What kind of leadership do you need at what stage? Terrific. I think this is going to be a, a really insightful. So let's get started with some intro music and we'll jump into the conversation. Let's do it. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. All right, John, so let's start things off with uh, what does management do? What are they responsible for? Yeah, I mean, especially depending on what stage you are, right, and what you're doing, it could be everything, right? I think everything from reporting numbers, inspiring, driving, leading a team to janitorial work. So it could be really everything and all in between, right? And so I think it's really about what, stage of company are you at you know and and are you is it an idea right now right and you're looking to get proof of concept right and you're looking to test the market and get out there do you already have some customers and now you're looking to accelerate the sales momentum the sales motion or are you looking for someone to completely design that sales motion and then go to market i think you're you're touching on the point that is very important for the early stages because they're not really aware of of what kind of sales leader they need so many people have come with when they only have one or two salespeople or even no salespeople yet. And they're like, okay, I need a VP of sales. I need that, that person to launch us and to take us, but you don't need a VP. Yeah. And many times you don't, right. And, and, and really understanding just where you're at and, and what do you need to figure out, right? Do you have a customer base already? Do you already understand who you're targeting and you just need someone to really execute against that? Do you need someone to design the whole playbook? Have you already gotten a couple of customers, right? And you've already got some case studies that you can rely on, right? If you remember in in last week's episode, we talked about how to sell your first couple of customers, right? So did you do that already as a founder, right? Are you coming in where you don't have a sales background? You're more on the product or the engineering side or the finance side, right? And you're not quite sure how to really approach those first few customers. That really dictates the type of leadership that you would need and that you would want to talk to and really understand. And you've got to understand also that salespeople are inherently good at talking through things, right? Or potentially even talking about themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> just because someone is a, is a good salesperson or even a good sales leader in a specific environment doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best person for what you need as a company right now. Right. And so really trying to identify that of what you need right now and to use a, a sports reference or a football reference. A lot of people have the mentality of you draft the best player available, but a lot of really successful coasters more have the mindset of you draft for what the team needs. 
right? And so don't be distracted by, wow, this person is just really good, but they may not be the best person for what you need at that moment. Absolutely. And I think it's also really nice that what you've just said is you didn't at all use titles. There's no VP of sales or director of sales because I feel like today those titles are bullshit and everybody makes up their own titles and it doesn't doesn't really mean much. But what you were actually hinting to and actually said is it matters more of what they do and what their background is. Yeah. Well, now we're going to have to mark this podcast as explicit. Thanks, Adam, for that one. You know, I was trying to keep it, you know, I was trying to get the PG rating here. (laughs) Well, you're right. They don't mean shit, right? And they don't, and no one's going to respect you just because your business card says, hey, respect. And so put egos aside, put titles aside and say, what are we really looking to go after, right? And, And what can you do? And the person that gets you the first 5 million may not be the person that gets you the next five or the next 10 million right? It may be more appropriate for a VP level at that standpoint. So I don't want anyone to think that there's some inherent bias against a VP, right? It's really about where do they fit in, right? And what do they do? And I think for that first very early stage leader, you really need a doer. Like you need a doer. You need someone that is going to put ego aside and come in and say, hey, I'm going to figure a lot of things out myself before I ever ask people to do these things, right? And so when you're looking to build out a playbook, You don't want to go hire net new people, you know, not from your organic network or your organic space and say, you got to make 40 calls. You got to send this to me demos. You got to close these many deals. If you don't even inherently know that that, those are the true conversion rates. And so I think the best people that are going to get the job done early on really are those doers, right? And someone that has a forecasting and operational mindset, but is also a doer and someone that can get in there and really go after it and get it done to really prove out all the conversion metrics and understand who do we need to go after. And so it's really about being able to, you know, start the beginnings of a fire, right? Get a little bit of a a fire started themselves, right? And they can do it themselves and they can figure it out, but also they have the mindset of how are we going to train people to then do this? And I certainly is an area that, you know, um, have gone through before. How do you be a doer without doing everything? Right. Like how you get into a point where the company becomes so reliant on you to bring in revenue (laughs) that you're not even able to take on other components of what a director or VP role is, which recruiting is a huge component to that. And recruiting takes up a ton of time. Yeah. So that's definitely a fine balance that, that I've had to go through as well. So, yeah, I mean, hiring people not only takes the time, but onboarding them and getting them ramped up it just you'll have no time to do the sales yourself if if you're lucky you'll have very minimal time so how do you go about approaching that as a as a leader i think the first thing you've got to do is you've got to have a process and a methodology and i think there's a lot of really great salespeople that can't inherently explain what makes them great right they just you know it's like it's like michael jordan would be a horrible coach, right? That's why he knew like, he's not even going to get like a lot of the great players. They don't make great coaches because it's almost this inherent skill, right? That they have. And so you have to be really, when you're doing everything and you're building it up, you have to have this mindset of how do we do it to scale? 
right? And you've got to track metrics from day one. You've got to understand, okay, this is what these are. You've got to be able to index things. And I'm not a huge believer on scripting people to death. I'd love your thoughts on that too. But even when you're onboarding someone, when they're really new, and they're, let's say they're new into sales, right? Let's say you're going after the persona that you're trying to get them very uh, early in their career, right? And get them as a BDR. You want to give them scripts in the beginning so they have a baseline, yeah, right? So that they understand it. But I really quickly want to get them away from a script because you're never going to become inherently dynamic if you have to, you know, look down at a tear sheet, right? Of what to do. So you've got to teach them a methodology, right? And a process behind it, right? And what's going on. So you've got to really be able to say, okay, can you write a script? And can you write a script that anyone can come in and do? And then that's their baseline. And then you're teaching them like, hey, this is why we say this in the script, right? And I think we mentioned it on a previous episode too about objection handling, right? Is the best way to handle an objection is to prevent it from ever coming up. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so you start to pe- teach people things like, hey, here's going to be your objections. Go ahead and eight mile, like get them out in the air, put some oxygen into it, shine the light on it. And that way it doesn't become an objection. And so you've got to really be able to, I guess, self audit. This is a long way of saying self awareness, right? And self audit. Can you really look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is why we lost this deal? But also equally as important, this is why we won this deal. And can you build a playbook behind that? And so especially when you have new people early on, and I think we're going to talk about this potentially in a later episode as well, but how do you onboard people and and what's the rigor that you put behind it? But you got to make people independent and dynamic, and you've got to have a process for that. And you're just never going to get that if you're just constantly writing scripts and giving people one-liners and sound bites. Like, oh, if Adam says this, then rebuttal him with this, right? So you can actually teach them a, an actual cognitive way to break down, analyze, and handle objections. You know, triple F and triple A, those are great, great ways to do it. I think like, I don't like writing scripts at all, actually. Like even, even to give people a baseline, I, I don't like the script idea at all because first of all, I don't think you should be speaking as much. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, it should be yeah. more qualifying and asking them questions. So there obviously you can't get away from speaking a little bit. So that's where the script idea comes from. But what I like to do is actually give them an outline. It's like, okay, here is generally how a call will go, you know, introduction, ask, qualification, and then demo or talking about the product if there is. And then explaining why each of those is so important. And so that they actually know deep down and then having them then write their own script a couple times and then role play that a couple times so that they understand A, the formula and B, the reasons why behind that kind of formula. And then it will come out naturally. Yeah, absolutely. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. So if you can say it with conviction and say like you've got some confidence, it'll mean more. I've got a process in which we teach them how to do outbound cold calls. And really the only thing that we initially try to give them in in the beginning that we script is the value prop for what we do. And so the only reason we really do that is obviously you want them on message, right? You don't want someone making up the value prop and, and what you do. But other than that, it's really just this process and these steps that you go through of how to control a car, a call 
right and make sure that they're understanding how to drive it and then when they become AEs I do give them an initial script because I want a baseline you know I want to say okay here here's your baseline but by the time they're demoing a real prospect they should already be off script and then what I give them is just like you had mentioned which I think is a great idea is more of a demo outline but what I call it is is your mission criticals and so you break your demo down into sections okay here's your mission criticals here's the components the ideas that you want to get across in this section right and make sure that you hammer that now how you get that point across is really up to you and i think something to remember especially when you're talking to salespeople and you're getting them out there is we will forget 70 percent of what someone told us within 24 hours <laughs> i think it's more like 10 right? minutes maybe even five <laughs> yeah exactly yeah even now like they're not going to remember what you say and however people will remember how you made them feel absolutely and so that's a key component is that most people will make a decision on emotion and then back that decision up with logic. You know, so you even at enterprise, even at complex things, it's more about are you connecting with them? How are you making them feel? They will understand that and then they'll back into that decision with logic. So the decision is already made, right? They're going to make their decision. And if you get them in a positive environment that they're feeling and they're vibing with everything, they'll find a way to make the case for themselves right? and they'll log back into it. Absolutely. And this is exactly why uh, scripts will fail in the later, later stage once you're actually up and running as a rep is because you're not building that connection. You're just becoming a robot then because you're just memor you've memorized the script and you're just going off of that. Whereas if you memorize the formula and the mi or the mission criticals, as you put it and speak naturally, then it allows you to actually build that relationship. And it also helps you with your long-term career in sales yeah, because then you can take that methodology other places. And so that's where we spoke about that on our, our first one is if you have the mindset of, I'm not trying to get you to do a better hint health demo, I'm just trying to help you have better conversations. You'll inherently be better, obviously at the product that you're selling, but also long-term wise, you can carry it with you. One thing I want to say about the product value or value proposition is one thing I always like to do with new reps is just randomly throughout the day, multiple times a day, hey, what do we do? And just have them be able to snap back confidently and comfortably. And, you know, they do that 20 times a day in front of everybody. They're going to have it down packed by the time they're ready to hit the phones. Yep. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. No one can see me, but I'm shaking my head. Yes. <laughs> like absolutely that it's preparation, right? Preparation, preparation, preparation. If you can't say it like the back of your hand to someone you work with, you're going to get nervous when you get that C level or that director level person on the phone. Like, Hey, I've got 90 seconds, man. Tell me what you do. You know? And if you stumble through, if you stumble through your value prop, that's why I tell these guys, you got to be able to deliver that value prop up and in hundred miles an hour, throw your pitch. Like you've got to shoot your shot. Like you can't stumble, no ums, no ahs, no being bashful. You got to be audacious with it and really be able to deliver it. So the way you do that, hit them. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And just make sure they, they should. What I always tell young reps is that you're going to, especially in your first couple of months, you should be going home. And when you go to bed at night, you're going to have dreams about work and you're going to have dreams about doing cold calls and doing demos. And if you're not closing your demos in your dreams, that means you need more work and you need to practice. <laughs> those are the ones you should close, right? Yeah, absolutely. I went today to with one of my clients to go speak to an investor. And I actually started when, when it came up to my turn to speak uh, about me, which is not something I, I like to do. I'm never comfortable talking about me and selling myself. But I realized then 
that I need to practice that more. I need to practice what I preach because I was doing the ums and ends and not prepared. So one, not to get too far on a topic, but one thing that I've really seen work well with that, we, I call it, you know, we call it gray language, you know, uncommittal words, I think kind of maybe probably sort of, but ums and ahs will also go in there as well is, you know, when you go to a pub and you go to a bar, they have the bouncers out in the front, right? And they're doing the ticker, you know, so they know how many people go in. So you can get like five of those on Amazon for about $3. And what I've seen work really well is when you're practicing with your reps and early on, even when they practice together, the other person they're practicing with has it. And every time they do a gray language or an um and an ah, and you can hear it. And it works because they started saying, oh yeah, all right, Adam, you spoke for 70 seconds and you had 32 ums and ahs in there. Shit. All right. So it really works. So it's, it's a, as we talked, I think on our last episode, right about sales engagement, right. And, and little resources, it's a couple of dollars. You could buy yourself one of those and it really, really, really works because people start to hear it and then they count it and they, they get it. So it's, it's a, a little tool that I've used for, especially with uh, early on with reps and just getting ready. Cause it's just a habit, right. And we all develop that. Absolutely. Let's, let's jump back into kind of more topic. Uh, how does a manager be a good manager without micromanaging? I mean, my first thought is don't consider yourself a manager, right? Don't use the term manager. Just people aren't going to respect you just because your, you know, your title says they should. So I think the biggest thing that you can do is do their job with them. Like you're, you're all learning this together, right? You're all doing it. And so use the terminology and just talk in the sense of we, you know, like, Hey, we need to go make some cold calls. You know, Hey, we're, we're having a slump this week right? Or we're doing that and build them up and build them up together and show them how you can do it. I think, you know, just the old adage of just leading from the front, right? And so I'm a big believer in the fact that the the players will always take on the personality of the coach, right? So if you, if you use a sports analogy, if you want like a hard-nosed defensive team and that's just not you, it's unlikely it's your team will ever be that. They're not going to be something that you're not. And so you want to think to yourself as the leader going in there, what do I want the personality of my team to be, right? So that has to come from you, right? And we talk, you know, people, this is big, especially here in the Valley of the culture of the company and things of that nature. And they want to do culture committees, right? They want to do those stuff. And it's like, well, that should be an organic. <laughs> it should thing, happen naturally. Right? Like you can't be, force that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't force it, right? You come up with let's say an acronym for your values and then you can't remember what the acronym stands for, right? It's like, that's how bought in really is that culture, right? And what is it going to mean? And so I think you just have to live that culture day in, day out, unequivocally, every day, hell or high water, you have to live that culture, whatever you want it to be. And so especially early on, especially if you're, you don't have a demand gen going, right? And you're outbound and you're cold calling, that takes a certain type of person to be able to do that day in and day out. And you have to do it every single day. And so if you want your reps to make 70 calls a day and set two demos a day, you should be doing 90 calls a day and setting three demos a day. Like you should be going you know, 120% of whatever you want your reps to do. And you just have to live it and breathe it every day. And you can't fake it. And your team is always going to take on your personality and like what you're doing. And so... I feel like that's the biggest and it doesn't cost any money, 
<laughs> right to do it. And it's just coming in every day and really living it and breathing it and saying, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to lead from the front and I'm always going to be here with you and we're, we're going to do it together. Absolutely. I remember earlier on in my career that some of the managers always would come or, or even the training managers would come in and say, you got to do this, you got to do this. But then they, when it came time, like, yeah, I'm making phone calls, but then they'd go off into their office, close the door, and they wouldn't let anybody else listen in. We wouldn't hear how it's going. And it, you just lose complete and utter respect for that because it's obvious that you don't want us to hear, like, you're not even trying, like, be here with us, just sit next to us and make some calls. That's the best thing you can do. And it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I would go out to my reps, you know, as we're doing cold calls and I would just take my laptop, my you know headset and sit right down next to them, set a demo right in front of them. And they're like, holy crap, like, all right, okay. And that's going to inspire them. But you want to know what inspires them the most is when they see you get owned. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you pick, pick and, your feet up and you pick your feet up and you keep yeah. going. And you go do it again. I, I remember this one time specifically, I was, I was doing some calls and uh, one of the reps was like, God damn it. Like you just do it flawlessly every time. And I'm like, well, no, I don't like, that's not true. There's lots of errors. <laughs> and, yeah. And then the next call I got completely owned, hung up on, said, don't call me again. And then I went out to her and I'm like, you jinxed me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? This is your fault. You know? So I think just showing that human side of it, and just really understanding. And I don't know if we mentioned this on one of the other episodes, but one of the things that I always like to do, we talked about accountability and, you know, doing daily metrics and things like that is every Friday afternoons, we would do call recording sessions. And so we'd get the whole team together. I would let them pick calls and I would tell them like, this is a safe environment. This is a constructive environment. Everyone's first like instinct is to play their best call right from the week. But I tell them like, play something that you had a question about right? Or play something where you've gotten this objection three times and you, you can't overcome it. But play, more importantly, play something that makes you vulnerable, right? That you want to learn from. And we give peer-to-peer feedback. So it's not the manager, it's not the leader, it's your peers saying, hey, here's what I would have done. Here's what I would have thought. Hey, you missed this. And that has always worked really well, right? Because it's peer-to-peer feedback. But also as that early sales leader, you should be playing your calls as well. Mm-hmm. Like play your calls. You know, and play like, hey, here's a good one that I think we could all learn from. You know, here's right and do it. Yeah, I agree completely. And I would even add to that. I like to do one call and one email or an email chain. Ah, okay. Because so much of what we do nowadays is also by, via email. I mean, I guess it also depends on what kind of sales structure you've got. But I always bring in uh, an email and either a bad one or a really good one that people could learn from like how to turn, a, turn around an objection and things like that, because it's also important. I think our ego always tells us like, you know, play your best call. You know, don't ever let your reps, you know, see that you have a vulnerability. And, you know, they, I think the biggest thing is that if you're coaching a process, like you have a five-step demo setting process, I think the biggest thing is one, is that you follow it. <laughs> so when you're making your calls that you show that, yes, this is how you generate demos or et cetera, et cetera. Or if you're doing demos, right? How many times have you been at a place where they're like, here's your demo script and you listen to every top rep and none of them use it. So it has to be like real world applications. But then also you can play stuff where you failed, right? You did every step right and it didn't work and they're going to learn from it, right? And then everyone can learn from it. So I think that's the biggest thing is understanding that showing that this isn't no matter how good you are, you're not going to convert 100% of the time. So anyways, I mean, what we were just talking about, like, you're absolutely right. Like, uh, it's really good to have the 
the emails and the phone calls brought in and having that weekly review. I think it's a very important thing to do with any size team in whatever stage you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just continued development. I think that's the biggest thing is, is making sure you're always continuing. And as we talked last time about the personas of people that you're selling to and where they're at, the way that you sell today to get customers will be different than how you sell a year from now. Right. So constantly evolving, checking, and really just broad development skills. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're running low on time here and we didn't even get more than half of what we wanted to talk about for, with sales management and leadership. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're going to have to do this one, uh, part B next week and push everything else. So for everybody that's uh, going to join us next week, we're going to talk more about what, John? Yeah, about really just continuing this conversation around the type of leadership, the sales management, the responsibilities, the roles, uh, where they should fit into the organization and, and really developing the go-to-market. Absolutely. And also, I think we should also cover next week is uh, how a company can attract the right kind of sales leaders, like what to look for, what to ask. I think that's really important too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great topic. Cool. All right, John. Thanks. And thanks for everyone listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.